Andrew Womack Ministries presents this session from the 2013 Washington, D.C. Gospel Truth Rally. We pray that the Word of God will come alive in your heart as you listen. And let's go down here in Luke chapter 24 and in verse uh, 36. It says, And as they thus spake, Jesus himself stood in the midst of them and said unto them, Peace be unto you. And they were terrified and affrighted and supposed that they had seen a spirit. And he said unto them, Why are you troubled and why do thoughts arise in your hearts? Behold my hands and my feet, that it is I myself. Handle me and see, for a spirit hath not flesh and bones as you see me have. Jesus still had the print of the nails in his hands. This shows you that his body hadn't changed. It's not like he looked totally different. He still had the scars in his hands. And yet it says in Mark chapter uh, 16, I believe it's verse 12, when it describes this whole thing that is reported in Luke 24, over there it says that he appeared in another form unto two of them as they walked to a village. It wasn't another form in the sense that he, he was different looking, but he was now a spiritual body. And the scripture says in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 14, that the natural man cannot receive the things of the spirit because they are spiritually discerned. You know, this is a great truth. Again, I'm trying to get on to something else, but this is so important that you need to hear this. There are people that are just thinking, if Jesus would just do this, I would believe. If I could just see something with my eyes, I would believe. If I could see a person healed, I would believe. If this would happen, I would believe. Jesus himself said, he gave the parable about the man who went to hell and in hell this man said, uh, Abraham, send, my, send Lazarus back to witness to my brothers so that they don't come into this terrible place. And he says, they have Moses and the prophets. And he says, oh, they won't believe the word, but if somebody rose from the dead, they would believe. And Jesus said, if they don't believe the word, they will not believe though one rose from the dead. People think if I could just see something, if there could be these physical manifestations, if something could happen, then I would believe. The Bible says faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word. Faith is a product of the heart. Romans chapter 10, verse 10, with the heart man believes. You do not believe with your head. What most people are calling faith today isn't faith at all. Faith is something that you can't see. There isn't any tangible proof. It's something that the Holy Spirit inspires in your heart and it comes by just trusting and believing the word. And people are trying to you know, wait on God, make God do something, but you just have to believe. And here he was standing in the midst and he still had the print of the nails in his hands. He still had the spear in his side. His body was the same, but they couldn't perceive him because they were carnal. And that's, man, that's awesome. Brothers and sisters, there, are, there may be people in here tonight that didn't perceive the presence of God as we were worshiping God, but I guarantee you, God is here big time. God is here. The presence of God is in this room. He's always present with us, but there is a manifested presence of God anytime two or three gather together. And there may be some of you here that didn't feel a thing. You were just looking around thinking about, man, your feet ache. You wanted to sit down. How long is Daniel gonna go? 
If that's you, you're carnal. You're missing God. God is in our midst. And there's somebody that weren't even excited and you didn't even feel like praising God because you have a pain in your body. Man, when I see stuff like that, the spirit of slap just wants to come all over me. Just, it's a good thing I'm not God or I'd just drop kick all of us off into hell, into the space. It's terrible. So anyway, he says, look, it's me. Handle me and see. And then it says, when he had thus spoken, he showed unto them his hands and his feet and, when, and they believed not for joy and wondered. He said unto them, have ye here any meat? And they gave him a piece of a broiled fish and of a honeycomb and he took it and did eat before them. In a glorified body, we're gonna eat. Revelation talks about there being fruit for the healing of the nations. We're gonna eat in our glorified body. And he said unto them, these are the words which I spake unto you while I was yet with you that, in all, that all things must be fulfilled which are written in the law of Moses and in the prophets and in the Psalms concerning me. Then opened he their understanding that they might understand the scriptures. Man, that is one powerful verse. He opened their understanding that they might understand the scriptures. Man, that is powerful. I'm amazed as I talk to people and deal with people how people are just so dull. And I don't mean this to criticize anybody, but it's just like there is a dullness, a hardness of heart that keeps people from understanding the word. And if this is a typical group, there's a large number of people right here, even among this group on a Thursday night that you just don't seem to be able to understand scriptures that you can listen to the word and it just is nearly like water off a duck's back. I heard T.L. Osborne, I think it was, give a testimony about that he had a woman that came to one of his meetings in Africa, I think it was, and she rode a bus for two days. And then she got off and took a taxi as far as she could go. And then she was crippled, didn't have any use of her legs. And she drug herself across a two or three links of football field, was sitting underneath a tree to hear him and when he quoted Isaiah 53 5 by his stripes we are healed just that one little truth entered into her a spark and she says I've got it I'm healed and she pulled herself up by her hands until she could stand and then she got to running and jumping and it ruined his whole message he had to quit <laughs> because people were so excited one person had never heard before and the moment they heard that by the stripes of Jesus they were healed, that word just boom, it changed their life. Over here, I have people come up, they'll say, could you pray for me? And I say, well, the Bible says by his stripes, oh, I know that one. Well, 1 Peter 2, 24, by his stripes we were healed. Oh, I know that one. Matthew 8, 17, this is the fulfillment of the prophecy spoken by Isaiah the prophet that he himself bore our infirmities and carried our sickness. Oh, I know that. Third John Chapter one, verse two, beloved, I wish above all, and they just go on and, oh, I know that. And they know a dozen scriptures and it hadn't made a lick of difference in their life. Why does the word touch some people so much and other people it just doesn't seem to impact them? It's not the word that's different, it's the condition of our heart. It's our hard heart. It's our dullness. And so he took these people and he opened their understanding that they might understand the scriptures. Man, we need this. We need 
our understanding enlightened. And you know, in my life, what did that for me? I received the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And when I received the baptism of the Holy Spirit, it's just like all of a sudden I couldn't open the Bible without God yelling at me. I could read any scripture. I could read the begats and God would speak to me through it. I just, every time I opened the Bible, I just started getting something. The Holy Spirit's the one that wrote the Bible. And it says, when he has come, he will lead you into all truth and bring all things to your remembrance whatsoever I've spoken unto you, John 14, 26. The Holy Spirit wrote this. He's the author of the Bible. And when you receive the Holy Spirit, the word of God just comes alive to you. If you let it, it's not automatic, but he is specifically sent to show us the things of Jesus and reveal it to us. And this is what Jesus did. He opened their understanding. And then he said in verse 46, thus is it is written and thus it behooved Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead the third day and that repentance and remission of sins should be preached in his name among all nations beginning at Jerusalem. And you are witnesses of these things and behold, I send the promise of my father upon you, but tarry ye in the city of Jerusalem until you be endued with power from on high. I want you to see what he's saying. He had risen from the dead. This is the greatest news that the world has ever known. The resurrection of Jesus is everything. It's the most powerful thing that God ever did. If you could somehow or another put the power of God on a scale and measure it, creation is awesome. There's a lot of people today that think that we were struck by a bolt of lightning and we came out of a pool of slime. I want to know where, where did the lightning come from? Where, did, you know, it's just, anyway, I don't want to get off on that, but there's people that don't understand, but creation is awesome and God created everything. He spoke it into existence in six days, period of time, six physical days, not billions and billions of years. And you say, well, I don't agree with that. Well, you're entitled to your opinion, but I'm not going to agree with you or we'd both be wrong. <laughs> Amen. I'm telling you, God created. He spoke the worlds into existence. Amen. I'm not going to get off on that. <laughs> and if you could measure that, that was a powerful display. But to see Jesus raised from the dead, that's greater than creating the universe, the heavens and the earth. It's the greatest display of God's power that the world has ever seen. Because when he created the heavens and the earth, there wasn't any resistance. No, nobody was fighting against him. But when Jesus was raised from the dead, Satan and all of hell, every demon in hell was concentrated on keeping Jesus from raising from the dead. You know, the church that I go to, it's a real large church and they have 10,000 plus members. And so they do these great extravagant displays at Easter and stuff. And one of the things that they do, they have, you know, a large stage like this and, and the crowds yelling and jeering. And there's a person that personifies Satan. He's dressed in black and he, you know, looks different than everybody else. And uh, he was the one that tempted Jesus on the Mount of Temptation. And then during every crowd that was saying, crucify him, this person that personifies Satan is present and you can see him just woven throughout all of the things. It makes a point. And then at uh, the resurrection, they have a big tomb with a stone over it. And when, and when it comes, you know, the music is building to a crescendo and you can tell the resurrection is coming. 
Here is this person that personifies the devil and he's pushing on that gravestone with everything he's got trying to stop Jesus from being raised from the dead. And then there's this huge explosion and smoke. And when the smoke clears, the guy that personifies the devil is laying flat on his back, the tombstone's on top of him and Jesus is standing on top like that, amen. It's really awesome. And that's kind of a visual picture of what happened. I guarantee you Satan and all of his forces tried to stop Jesus from being raised from the dead and yet Jesus overcame all of it. And so this power that raised Jesus from the dead, I mean, what a great example of the presence of God. And here are the people who are witnesses to it. They see Jesus raised from the dead and Jesus says, don't go tell anybody. Don't let anybody know about this until you receive power from on high. I don't think most people have ever thought about this, but could you imagine what it would be like to know that Jesus was raised from the dead after three days and you saw him and you have this news to tell everybody and he says, don't tell anybody, don't go anywhere, don't do anything until you receive power from on high. What this does is place so much value and importance on the power of the Holy Spirit in your life. God does not want us living or ministering without the power of the Holy Spirit. And yet, this is the common thing in the body of Christ today. The vast majority of ministers that you watch or listen to or attend churches, not all, but the vast majority do not have the power of the Holy Spirit. And there's some people that received the baptism of the Holy Spirit 20 years ago and hadn't been full of the Holy Spirit a day since. But you take the number of people that are actually flowing in the power of the Holy Spirit and inspired by the Holy Spirit, and I guarantee you it's a small percentage. And this is one of the reasons that there's a lot of people that have knowledge about God, but they don't have a personal relationship. They can't get healed. The Word of God isn't alive because they don't have a personal relationship with the Holy Spirit. Jesus says, don't go anywhere, don't do anything until you receive this power from on high. Now turn over to Acts chapter one, and this is Jesus' last words to his disciples right before he was taken up into heaven. And in Acts chapter one, it says in verse four, and being assembled together with them, with the apostles, commanded them that they should not depart from Jerusalem, but wait for the promise of the Father, which saith he, ye have heard of me. For John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost not many days from hence. When, he therefore was come to, uh, when they therefore were come together, they asked of him saying, Lord, wilt thou at this time restore again the kingdom to Israel? And he said unto them, it is not for you to know the times or the seasons which the Father hath put in his own power, but you shall receive power. After that, the Holy Ghost has come upon you and you shall be witnesses unto me in Jerusalem and in Judea and in Samaria and unto the uttermost parts of the earth. The Lord told them to wait until they receive this power from on high. And you know, I know that there's many of you in here today that have already received the baptism of the Holy Spirit. There's many of you here that haven't received it. And I'm really wanting to emphasize tonight how essential the power of the Holy Spirit is to living a Christian life. 
The Christian life is not just hard to live or difficult. It is absolutely impossible to live. You cannot live a Christian life in your own strength and power. It's impossible. For you to turn the other cheek to somebody that just hit you isn't human nature. For you, when people, you know, take something from you at law and you just turn around and say, well, here, take this too. Instead of you taking it from me, I'll just give it to you. This isn't human nature. It's impossible for us to live up to what God told us to do. It's impossible in your strength. The Christian life isn't us just living by a different standard of principles than the Muslims or the Buddhist or the Hindu or somebody else. It's not that we have a different set of rules the Christian life is we actually get born again. You have God himself come and live on the inside of you. And then all of these scriptures that I'm using, he said, don't do anything. Don't go anywhere. Don't try and do this in your own power. I'm going to give you power from on high. That word for power in the Greek is dunamis. It means a miraculous, miracle-working power. And he said that this would happen when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you could go back, I'm, I'm going to just summarize a lot of things. You can go back and study this on your own, but Peter and all of the disciples were fearful before they received the Holy Spirit. They, Peter denied the Lord three times. Every one of the disciples forsook Jesus and fled. They were constantly confused. The night before Jesus' crucifixion in John chapter 14, he says, I am the way, or right before that, he says, uh, I go to the Father and I'm preparing a place for you and I'll come and receive you. And they said, where are you going? We don't know where you're going. How can we know the way? He says, I am the way, the truth and the life. No man comes unto the Father but by me. If you have seen me, you've seen the Father. And Philip says, show us the Father. <laughs> he just said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. And they said, show us the Father and we'll be satisfied. I mean, it was like, how dumb can you get and still breathe? They just couldn't seem to get it. They couldn't understand anything. They ran and they hid. And yet after the Holy Spirit came upon them, Peter got up and preached a sermon that was totally different. All of a sudden he was inspired and he was saying things. He was explaining scripture. He took Old Testament scripture and explained things that he had asked Jesus before. And even when Jesus gave the explanation. He didn't get it. it. The difference was the Holy Spirit. In the fourth chapter, they were taken before the, uh, the chief priest and the elders of the Pharisees, the Sadducees, and they said, these are ignorant and unlearned men. Where are they getting this from? They knew more about the word than the people who had spent their whole life doing it. And it says, they took knowledge of them that they had been with Jesus. Prior to the baptism of the Holy Spirit, they were afraid and confused and ignorant. Afterwards, they had supernatural wisdom. They were energized. It wasn't them. It wasn't them living. It was the power of Christ living through them. And all of this came to pass through the Holy Spirit. And there's, most people today do not emphasize the Holy Spirit. They don't depend upon the Holy Spirit the way they should. But Jesus said, you'll receive power after the Holy Spirit comes upon you. I have people come to me all the time and, and ask for things. And I say, are you born again? Yes, I'm born again. Do you have the baptism of the Holy Spirit? Yes. But then they just, they are still approaching God as if God, I have nothing, I can do nothing. 
We are nothing. Would you please have mercy on me? And people come all of the time presenting how pitiful their situation is, trying to get me to have compassion on them. And I'm telling you, brothers and sisters, if you are born again, you've got God living on the inside of you. And then when you receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit specifically comes to give you power to release what Jesus has put on the inside of you. When Jesus, when Jesus created the heavens and the earth, it says the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters in Genesis chapter one. And that word there is, is brooded. Like, you know, it, the Holy Spirit was moving and it, all of creation happened through the power of the Holy Spirit. Jesus said, without God, I can do nothing. Some people have taken that to say that Jesus, see, wasn't really God. He was inferior to God, but it's, it's not like that. The Trinity, Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit are so inseparable that they can't operate independent of each other. They're one. They're different, but they're one. And Jesus couldn't do anything until the Holy Spirit came upon him. When he was baptized by John, the Holy Spirit descended in a bodily shape like a dove and lit upon him. And there wasn't a single recorded miracle, not a single sermon, nothing done by Jesus until the Holy Spirit descended upon him. If Jesus didn't, you could say couldn't or didn't, whichever, if he didn't do anything without the power of the Holy Spirit, who are we to think that we could do something without the power of the Holy Spirit? Jesus was absolutely dependent. And when the Holy Spirit came upon him, immediately miracles began to happen. When the Holy Spirit came upon the disciples, immediately they became bold. Immediately they were fearless. They began to turn the world right side up. Did you know that in 30 years period of time, the known world was evangelized by the first century Christians and they didn't have radio and television and bumper stickers on every camel going across the desert. They didn't have DVDs and CDs and things like this. And yet they changed the known world because they were operating in the power of the Holy Spirit. And again, this isn't emphasized today the way that it should be. And most people lean under their own understanding. They try and figure things out. They use God as a last resort. Only if the doctors can't handle it or if the bankers can't handle it or you try and do it your own way and lean under your own understanding and try and figure everything out and do it all on your own. And only if you come to the end of yourself do you ask the Holy Spirit for any power. But you know, over in the Old Testament, Moses was saying, Lord, show me your glory. He wanted to see God in some visible form. And the Lord said, I will be with you and I will go with you. And Moses said, he says, if you don't go with me, I'm not moving. And we wonder why he was so powerful. Because he, would, he says, I won't take a step. I will not move from here if you don't go with me. Most of us, we only ask the Holy Spirit to go with us when we've already made a mess of things. We've got a train wreck. We're dying we're poor. Our marriage is falling apart. We did it our way. Us and Frank Sinatra, we did it our way. And boy, after everything is all apart, then we call upon God and ask him to come. But I'm telling you that we have to have the power of the Holy Spirit. And God has commanded it. He gave you a command to wait and receive this power of the Holy Spirit. 
And in Acts chapter two is where they received the power of the Holy Spirit. And when the Holy Spirit came, there was a sound of a rushing mighty wind and there were cloven tongues of fire. You know, I'm not gonna take time to turn over there, but if you turn to Leviticus chapter nine, you'll find that when the tabernacle was finally erected and dedicated, that the fire of God fell from heaven and consumed the sacrifice. It was supernatural. And from that time on, they were commanded to put wood on the fire and keep it burning. But the fire was started by God. The sacrifices, it was supernatural. And it, matter of fact, in the 10th chapter, you find Nadab and Abihu, two of uh, Aaron's children, who offered strange fire before the Lord. You know what strange fire was? They kindled their own fire. They just made fire by rubbing two sticks together or flint or something like that instead of using the supernatural fire that was started by God. And because of this, God killed both of them. Praise God, we don't live under that covenant. I'm not saying God's gonna kill us, but you know what? It does show that God wanted his supernatural fire to be the thing that consumed the sacrifices. And then in 2 Chronicles chapter 7, where uh, Solomon dedicated the temple. He built the temple, he put a sacrifice there, he prayed, he asked God to come and honor the temple with his presence and the fire of God fell out of heaven and started the fire at the temple and then they were commanded to keep putting fire on it, but they used the supernatural fire of God. So when the tabernacle was dedicated, fire fell. When the temple was dedicated, supernatural fire fell. And when we became the temple of the Holy Spirit, fire fell. And this is what John said. John said, he will baptize you with the Holy Ghost and with fire. And cloven tongues of fire came upon their head. I've had some people criticize and say, well, see, if you're going to believe in the baptism of the Holy Spirit, why don't you have cloven tongues of fire? It only fell when the temple was dedicated. And then from there on, it just continues on. You don't find another instance of this in uh, the book of Acts. But every time the Holy Spirit came, the results was that the fire of God was on the inside of people. And I tell you what, the Holy Spirit will build a fire on the inside of you. He will make you something besides yourself. Problem with most of us is we're too much ourselves. We are living under our own steam and power. The Holy Spirit is sent. Man, what a tremendous thing that God, he, the Lord said in John chapter 14, I will not leave you comfortless, but I will come unto you and I will manifest. And they said, how is it that you're gonna manifest yourself unto us and not to the world? And he says, the Holy Spirit will come and dwell in you. Brothers and sisters, I'm not talking about a God who's far off. I'm not talking about that we got to get our prayers up past heaven and past the demons and clear a hole over the D.C. area so that our prayers can get up to God. How stupid is that? Man, a lot of the intercession movement, we have demonic spirits over this area and there's these demons that are blocking our prayers and we can't get our prayers up to God. People will say, your prayer didn't get up past the ceiling. You don't need your prayers to get past your nose. God lives here on the inside of us. We are now the temple of God. The Holy Spirit is sent. This is why you bow your head when you pray so that you can look at God. You say, Father, amen. God lives right here. 
we aren't realizing what we've got. He gave us the Holy Spirit, the same Holy Spirit that created the heavens and the earth that released his power, the same Holy Spirit that enabled Jesus, the same Holy Spirit that came upon the apostles and all of a sudden they were changed from weaklings and fearful people to being bold. The Holy Spirit is here today. He's in this place tonight. The power of the Holy Spirit is here to set you free. And again, I love praying for people. I'm not trying to get out of praying for people. I, I wished I could pray for every one of you, but you know what? You don't need me. You got the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit can come and touch you, every single person. The Holy Spirit isn't limited like I am. He can set every one of you free. I long for the day when people will quit looking to just an individual I am so thrilled that God called me to ministry. It's wonderful. I love what I'm doing. I appreciate it, but I am longing for the day when people will quit looking to me and they will start drawing directly upon God and let the power of the Holy Spirit touch them and set them free. <laughs> Brothers and sisters, most of us are acting as if we don't have God with us. We make these stupid statements about, I went to church and man, God wasn't within a hundred miles of that place. What a stupid statement. He says, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. Where two or three are gathered together in my midst, there am I in the midst of you. The power of God is here. The Holy Spirit is here and he came to set you free, to enlighten you. If you were to take John 14, 15, and 16, Jesus just spoke over and over the night before his crucifixion that the Holy Spirit, John 14, 26, when he has come, will teach you all things and lead you into all truth and bring to your remembrance all things whatsoever I have spoken unto you. The Holy Spirit will bring things back. He will reveal Jesus unto us. There's two or three times in those three chapters that he said that. It says that he will reprove the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. In John 16, 13, that he will show us things to come. Man, how would our life change if we just started drawing on the power of the Holy Spirit to show us things to come? And some people want to know, well, you know, what's going to happen in the next election? What's going to happen in this nation? Well, you just ought to start with something simple. You know, before you get these big things, why don't you let God show you what's gonna happen today and give you direction and show you where to go and what to do? I remember a time that we had a board meeting and I had just gotten a hat. Somebody gave me a hat. It was a year that the Denver Broncos won the Super Bowl and they gave me a Super Bowl hat. And I'm not really into football that much. And anyway, as I was getting ready to go to the board meeting, I just saw that and the Lord spoke to me and says, you know what, you need to give that hat to somebody today. That's a little thing. But I just took it with me and I said, okay. I said, who is it? And anyway, we had our board meeting and when we got through this man, David Hardesty, he now works for us, but at the time he was on my board, he says, it's late. I've got to catch my plane and I really wanted to get a hat for my son. He asked me to get a Denver Broncos hat while I was here in Colorado and I'm not able to do it. And I said, right here it is. And I just handed it to him and it was an answer to his prayer. If you can't hear God tell you things like that, you can't hear him tell you who's going to be the next president or who's going to do this or who's going to do what. You need to start just depending upon the Holy Spirit and drawing on the Holy Spirit to lead you. Instead of going out, you know, most people live like a blind man. 
They just, they're just walking along and they don't, they fall over cliffs, they trip over problems that the Word of God obviously tells you not to do. He tells you not to be unequally yoked together with unbelievers. People just ignore that and go do their own thing. They don't listen to the Holy Spirit and they wait until their life is an absolute wreck. And then, oh God, if I was God, I'd say, you got you into this. You get you out of it. You ought to be really glad that God's a lot more merciful than I am. But I'm sure that the Lord sometimes says, if you would have listened to me, I would have told you this. And people think, well, the Lord just doesn't speak to me. That's not true. John chapter 10, Jesus said, my sheep hear my voice and the voice of a stranger they will not hear. If you are born again, if you are a sheep, if you belong to the Lord, you hear the voice of God. You say, no, I don't. Yes, you do. You just, you know, I was in uh, Washington, D.C. when President Reagan died and they had his motorcade and then him in state. So anyway, I was in Washington and I was walking up and down, you know, what do they call that whole uh, thing between the Capitol and the mall? I was walking on the mall and, you know, a lot of it was gravel. And I remember walking and thinking, this is strange because I'm walking on gravel and I couldn't hear a single step that I took. And I thought, this is strange. But I just kind of dismissed it. And then right after that, we went to Shenandoah National uh, Park and I went walking on the Appalachian Trail. And every time I took a step walking on that gravel, it was just loud. It nearly echoed. It was so loud. And I thought, what's the difference? And the Lord showed me that I was making noise when I walked on the mall. But there was so much noise around me, airplanes, cars, people talking and all of this. It just drowned out that sound. The sound was there, but it was just overwhelmed by all of the other noise. When you get out on the Appalachian Trail, all of a sudden there's no other noise. And you know what? It's there. God is speaking to you every minute of every day and you hear his voice, the problem is the noise of this world, we are so plugged in that it just drowns out the voice of the Holy Spirit. He speaks in a still, small voice. First uh, Kings chapter 19, that's the way he spoke to Elijah. God is speaking to you, but you have to be still to hear and to know. I'm just amazed at the people. You go into an airport. We got on a rental, uh, on a rental bus to go get our car when we landed in Washington. And I looked and there must have been 15 or 20 people on there and every person on that rental bus pulled out their cell phone and was doing something and texting and they had on headphones. And I thought, what did people used to do before they had a cell phone? There's people that honestly, you don't have a single moment. You get in the car and you put on the radio and you do something or you put in a CD or something. You've got to have something going all of the time. I'm telling you, God is talking to you every day of your life. Every problem that you've ever had in your life, the Holy Spirit's right there telling you what to do, but we've got to listen. We've got to begin to start realizing, like it says in Zechariah chapter 4, verse 6, not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, saith the Lord. We've got to get to where we're dependent upon the Holy Spirit, to where we will say with Moses that God, if you don't, Take me, if you don't go with us, I'm not moving. I'm not going to take a step until you give me direction. You know, right now on television, I'm teaching on how to find, follow, and fulfill God's will. 
and I minister on this in our meetings, and it's not unusual to have 80 to 90% of the people stand when I give an invitation for people that don't know for sure that they're doing what God called them to do. If you don't know for sure, I want you to stand and I'm going to pray for you. 80, 90% of people will stand. How in the world are you ever going to fulfill God's will if you don't even know what it is? If you're just going through life wishing and a hoping and a praying that you're doing the right thing, trusting that circumstances are going to run your life. Man, you need to know God created you for a purpose. The Holy Spirit is trying to speak to you. It says in Ephesians chapter 5, don't be ignorant, but understanding what the will of the Lord is. That's a command. And it's right there next to the verse. It says, don't be drunk with wine, wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit of God. In the same way as you aren't supposed to be drunk, it is a command in the same, in the same context to be not ignorant, but understanding what the will of the Lord is. We need to be hearing from God. What is God's purpose for your life? Are you doing what God called you to do or what your parents called you to do? Or did you just roll the dice and let circumstances dictate your life? I'm not saying any of these things to hurt you, but I'm saying that brothers and sisters, this is why people's lives are in such a mess. God has a plan for every one of us and it's an awesome plan. God never made a dud. God never has made a piece of junk. God has never made a failure. If you think you, uh, any of those things apply to you, it's because you have not found God's will for your life. You have not been following it. The scripture says there is a way that seems right unto man, but the ends thereof are the ways of death. If you lean unto your own understanding, Proverbs 3, 5, it says, Trust in the Lord with all thine heart and lean not unto your own understanding. In all of your ways acknowledge him and he shall direct your paths. Doing things your way is an absolute recipe for disaster. And some of you think, well, you don't know me. I'm pretty awesome. <laughs> you know what? You may be at the top of your game right now. But one of the blessings that I had is when I started in ministry, nobody would listen to me. Nobody would come to my church or to my meetings. And so I started going into jails and I started going into nursing homes because they'd let anybody go preach to those people. <laughs> and those people were bored and they'd, they'd come listen. And you know what? I was really blessed because I saw people that when they were 20 and 30 years younger were the movers and shakers. Everybody in the community envied them and yet they got old. And some of them were in there, and there was this one woman who was a Methodist pastor's wife, and she was always, I mean, she still dressed to the hilt, had expensive, fancy clothes, always had her makeup on and her hair fixed, even though she was in her 80s or 90s. But she just cried all day long because I used to be important. People used to want me, and now nobody cared. Nobody came to see her. I was the only person that ever visited her. And I can tell you, you may be at the top of your game right now and think that, man, the world is so blessed to have you around. But if the Lord tarries, you, if nothing else, you will reach a place to where you aren't effective anymore. And you'll find out that, you know what, unless you did it God's way, unless you did what God told you to do, all of your effort is going to be nothing. Sounding brass and tinkling cymbal, it's going to be nothing and you'll come to the end of your life and be depressed and discouraged. 
This is not a dress rehearsal. It's not like we're preparing for the real thing. This is it. You just spend a day today that you'll never get back. And if you didn't spend this day doing what God created you to do, you wasted this day. When you stand before the Lord, He's not going to just say, well, what did you do? And then judge you based on how you did. He's going to say, here's what I created you to do. And it doesn't matter if you are the CEO, if you are winning the awards, it doesn't matter if you get the acclaim of people, if you didn't do what God told you to do, all of that other stuff is going to be wood, hay, and stubble that gets burnt up and you're going to stand there. And if you truly knew Jesus, you'll be saved, but you'll get in by the skin of your teeth there's not going to be any rewards. You won't be able to take any other people with you that God had intended. God's got a purpose for your life, but you can't live it in your own strength and power. You need the power of the Holy Spirit. You need a dependency upon the Holy Spirit. You need to say with Moses, I'm not moving until you show me. God, give me direction. You need to let the Holy Spirit lead you and guide you. You know, back when I first got turned on to the Lord was back in the charismatic move. I don't know how many of you were serving the Lord back in those days. But back in the early charismatic moves in the 60s and the 70s, this is nearly all that you heard about was just preaching about the baptism of the Holy Spirit, speaking in tongues, operating in the gifts, letting God flow through you, spending time getting direction, and I mean, it's just nearly all that anybody preached about. Now, I go into churches that are spirit-filled churches, people who preach and acknowledge that the baptism of the Holy Spirit and speaking in tongues exist. And I'll go into a church of a thousand people and have four or 500 come forward for the baptism. They've never heard about it. People don't preach and, and teach about how important the Holy Spirit is. And they wonder why things are going the way that they are. People wonder, why can't I understand the scriptures? The Holy Spirit, when he has come, will teach you all things and lead you into all truth. You need to let the Holy Spirit enlighten you and the Holy Spirit will give, this will come alive to you. It'll be a living book instead of just a dead book. We need the power of the Holy Spirit. I couldn't tell you how many thousands and thousands of times God has saved my life I was supposed to be on a plane one time and God just told me not to get on it and 169 people on that plane died. God has spoken to me and told me things and has led me and done things. You know, right now we're seeing God just do awesome things. People's lives are being changed and it's not because of me. My mother died in 90, uh, 2009 and right before she died, she was asking me about what God was doing in the ministry and I was telling her and she was really blessed. But then she stuck her finger right in my face and she said, Andy, you know that's God. And I said, yes, ma'am, I know this is God. And she says, you aren't smart enough to do this. <laughs> and I agreed with her 100%. I am not smart enough. God will make you look good if you listen to him. God will make things work. I told my students just the other day, I said, man, if nothing else, you ought to learn about the dependency upon the Holy Spirit and how important the Holy Spirit is. Because I'm, I'm a hit from Texas. I don't have anything going for me except 
The Holy Spirit has called me. The Holy Spirit has taught me His Word. The Holy Spirit has flowed through me. And I'm seeing some awesome, awesome things happen. I said, you of all people ought to just on a daily basis see that it's God. It's not an individual. It's not the charisma of a person. It's the power of the Holy Spirit. And I tell you, one of the flaws in the body of Christ is that we are in a sense drawing people towards personalities and we're making Christian celebrities, Christian super dupers that just have something that the rest of the people don't have. And in a sense, that's good for the ministry because it keeps everybody dependent upon you. But I'm telling you, if we ought to be teaching ourselves out of a job. I would love to see all of you start responding so much to the Lord and let the Holy Spirit take the Word of God, which it says in Proverbs chapter 4, that the Word is health unto all of your flesh and life to those that find it. If the Holy Spirit could unlock the Word and if you could really receive the faith that is in the Word, it would produce whatever healing you need in your body. I would love to see it, that nobody needs healing that everybody's already healed. But that's not the model in the body of Christ. The body of Christ right now, it's only certain individuals who have the Holy Spirit. I'm telling you, the Holy Spirit is available to every uh, Joe Blow or Jane Doe in this place. Every one of you, God wants to fill you with the Holy Spirit and change your life. You ought to be stronger than horseradish. Instead of coming to God, oh God, I have nothing and I, I'm just pitiful, would you please move? You are, it's an insult against the Holy Spirit. You're denying that the Holy Spirit has been given unto you. Instead, you ought to start building yourself up. When you pray in tongues, the Bible says that you build up yourself on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Ghost. Jude chapter 1, verse 20. The Holy Spirit, it's just like when you pray in tongues, it's like flipping a switch and releases the power and the power begins to come on. When you pray in tongues, it's, it starts this dynamo on the inside of you and it gives you revelation and shows you things. Man, I was trying to do, be so systematic in what I taught tonight and yet it's just kind of got off track, but cross to you that the Holy Spirit is given to you to energize you, to give you power, to enable you to do things that you can't do in the natural realm. You are not just human. Man, there's this old song that we sing about, Lord, I'm only human. I'm just a man. One day at a time, sweet Jesus, that's all I'm asking for you. That's a, throw that song out. <laughs> I am not only human. I am not just a man. One third of me is wall to wall Holy Ghost. I've got the power of God living on the inside of me. And the moment you come before God is, oh God, the doctor says I'm gonna die. I can't do anything. Would you please help me? You've insulted the Holy Spirit. You've insulted Jesus who says, I'm giving you all of this power. Greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. There is no problem with God. God does not have a shortage of power. He's got a shortage of people that will believe what he said and will take the Holy Spirit and encourage themselves. And if you're one of those who has the baptism of the Holy Spirit and you're depressed and discouraged, I'm just telling you it's your fault. 
because you've got, it says in Isaiah chapter 28, this is the rest and this is the refreshing wherewith you may cause the weary to rest by speaking in tongues. If you've got the baptism of the Holy Spirit and speak in tongues and you're depressed, it's your fault. You hadn't flipped the switch. You hadn't turned on the power of God. You aren't using what God gave you. God gave you this powerful tool and you're just ignoring it. I couldn't tell you how many times I've wanted to quit and I've had bad things happen in my life. And man, I just, I have prayed in tongues 17 hours without stopping trying to keep myself built up. When I was under so much pressure, I felt like quitting. I see a lot of people today that just pray in tongues for one sentence and then go flip on as the stomach turns on television and <laughs> wonder why God isn't encouraging them. Man, the Bible says you resist the devil and he'll flee from you. The word resist means to actively fight against. And you can't do it in your own strength and power. You aren't smart enough. You don't have the ability in yourself. You need a dependence upon the Holy Spirit. We need to go to praising God for the presence of the Holy Spirit. And we need to go to acknowledging it. You can't see the Holy Spirit. You can't even feel the Holy Spirit. I know that throws some people off because they say, oh, I felt the Holy Spirit. I felt the Holy Spirit during our service tonight. No, what you feel is faith. The anointing of God is tangible, but the Holy Spirit's with you all of the time. And whether you feel him or not, he's here. And you have to just encourage yourself. And once you get to flowing in faith, faith is tangible. You can put the anointing of God in a cloth and send it to a person. Acts 19, 11. But the Holy Spirit's always here. And we just have to go to acknowledging him and depending upon him and trusting the Holy Spirit, flowing in the Holy Spirit. I'm telling you, the Holy Spirit is wanting to set you free more than you want to be set free. The Holy Spirit wants you to be healed more than you want to be healed. The Holy Spirit wants to prosper you more than you want to prosper. But it's all released through faith. Much of our unbelief is ignorance. We just don't know these things. There's probably people right here that, you know, you didn't realize. I, I'm baptized in the Holy Spirit and speak in tongues because on television, I don't spit and I don't scream and I don't yell and I don't wipe my fevered brow and I'm not, I'm not charismatic and all this stuff. And you just didn't know what you were getting into. But I'm telling you, I'm baptized in the Holy Spirit. I speak in tongues. I speak in tongues every day. And I'm telling you, if, if I hadn't received the baptism of the Holy Spirit, you'd have never seen me on television. You'd have never seen me in front of a group of people. I couldn't even talk to a person and look them in the face. I was so introverted. I was just paralyzed by fear and other things. But when I received the baptism of the Holy Spirit, it's exactly like Jesus said, power came upon me. And it's not me. I'm living a life that's impossible for me to live. I've seen my son raised from the dead. I don't have the power to raise anybody from the dead, not in my physical body, but in my spirit. I've got the same power that raised Jesus from the dead. And my son that was dead for nearly five hours and in a morgue on a slab with a toe tag on, rose from the dead with no brain damage. It's awesome. I've seen blind eyes open, deaf ears open. And it's, I don't have a gift of healing. 
I'm just an average Christian. But I, the Holy Spirit has the power to do those things. Every one of you have the power to do that. It says in John 14, 12, Verily, verily, I say unto you, He that believeth on me, the works that I do, shall he do also, and greater works than these shall he do, because I go unto my Father. You know what going unto his Father signaled? In the 16th chapter of John, I believe it's verse 7, he says, It's expedient for you that I go away. Because if I don't leave and go to the Father, the Holy Spirit won't come. But when I am gone, then the Holy Spirit will come. This is why you can do greater works than he did because we now have the power of the Holy Spirit with us and God is flowing through us and you can do even greater works than Jesus did. I've heard people argue, well, the greater works are being on radio and television and reaching millions of people instead of just speaking to a thousand or two thousand at a time. I don't think that that's what it's talking about, but I won't even argue that point. What are you going to do with the part of that verse that says, the works that I do shall you do also? Forget the greater works right now. Just start doing what Jesus did. Just start casting out devils and raising the dead and cleansing the lepers and opening up blind eyes. And after you do all of those things, then we'll come and discuss what the greater works are. But just start with just doing what Jesus did. If your life isn't supernatural, it's superficial. If you can't look at your life and say, it's Jesus that has pointed my life in the direction that it's going. It's the power of Jesus flowing in me. It's Jesus that healed this person. It's Jesus that's prospered me. It's Jesus that's made me succeed. If you can credit everything to your own effort and power, you've missed God. And I don't care if you are the most committed person and if you are the most moral person and stuff, but if it all it can be done by your power, you've missed God. God is a big God, and I guarantee you, He's calling every one of us to do something that's beyond you. If you think, well, this is just what I can do, this is, this is what my life is about, then you missed God because God will call you to do something that you can't do. He called me to speak to millions of people, and I was an introvert and couldn't look at a person and talk to him. I was afraid of people. God will call you to do something that is beyond yourself, so it will make you dependent upon the Holy Spirit. If you're doing what you can do under your own strength and power, then God's got something bigger and better for you than what you've experienced. God wants you to live a life that is supernatural. God wants you to be so far out there beyond yourself that if God doesn't come through, you're done for. Most of us are playing it too safe. You know, it's out on a limb where the fruit grows. You got to get out on a limb. Most of us are trunk huggers. We don't like to be out on the wind blowing in limb, blowing in the wind and swaying around. We like the security of the trunk. You got to get out there where, man, if God doesn't do something, you're in trouble. I've committed to building a Bible college campus to house thousands and thousands of people, a $52 million project, and I'm doing it debt free. You know what, if God doesn't come through, I'm dead in the water. I couldn't make $52 million. I used to pour cement for a living. You know how much cement you'd have to pour <laughs> to make $52 million profit? Man, if God doesn't come through, I'm done for. You ought to have something that's bigger than you 
And most of us, that's not the way that they're thinking. I'm telling you, the Holy Spirit will change your life. The Holy Spirit, the creator of the heavens and the earth, the one who has done every miracle that has ever happened on the face of the planet, God Almighty, if he comes and lives on the inside of you, you begin to start thinking different. You quit singing, Lord, I'm only human. I'm just a man. You won't sing that song anymore. You'll begin to start saying something's different. You need to start depending upon the power of the Holy Spirit. And let me just give one other, you know, I've got way off the subject, but let me give you one other example that when we moved into the building we're in right now, we moved from 14,000 square feet building and we moved into a 110,000 square foot building and only 10,000 square feet had offices in it. The rest of it was a warehouse. And so we had to... Um, remodel it and it was going to take 3.2 million dollars to remodel that thing and this was back in uh, uh, would have been 2003 and at that time my income was such that at the rate we had been able to save up money I sat down and figured out uh, it would take me at the rate we had saved money it would take me over a hundred years to come up with 3.2 million dollars so anyway we were going to go get a loan and we tried for nine months to get a loan. And after nine months, they told us, next week, you'll have it. And after nine months of trying to get a loan, they said, it's been so long since we've had the thing appraised. Let's just get it reappraised and start the whole process over. And all I could think of is another nine months of saying next week. And our school was just maxed out. We were having to turn people away from the school. And I said, this is unacceptable. And so the scripture says that we have the mind of Christ. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 16. 1 John chapter 2, verse 20 says, we have an unction from the Holy One and we know all things. That's not true up here in your natural mind, but it's true in your spirit. And the Holy Spirit will teach you all things and lead you into all truth and bring all things to your remembrance. And so I just said, Father, I've got to have your wisdom on this and I went home and I started praying in tongues because 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 14 says, when you pray in an unknown tongue, your spirit prays, the part that has the mind of Christ that knows all things. And so I knew that when I was praying in tongues, I was praying the hidden wisdom of God. And then I said, Father, I need an interpretation. 1 Corinthians 14, 13 says, if you pray in an unknown tongue, pray also that you may interpret. I believe that it's like you got this huge well of God, His power, His wisdom, His ability on the inside of you, but that well doesn't do you any good if you can't get the water out. I've got the Spirit of God on the inside of me, but how do you draw it out? Speaking in tongues is like sticking a bucket in there and just drawing out the Holy Spirit. So I started praying in tongues and said, Father, I want to interpret, and within five minutes, that couldn't have been over 10 minutes maximum, God spoke things to me and brought back a prophecy that I had received two years before that said, when you get into a new building, you aren't going to have to go to a bank because you have your own bank. And I remember when that prophecy came, I said, what bank is that? <laughs> and it goes on to say, your partners are your bank. 
You don't need to borrow money. Your partners will fund the whole thing. And as soon as I started speaking in tongues, within five minutes, this thought, the prophecy came back. For two years, I had forgotten it. And immediately it just came back and I started saying, God, is that my answer? Am I not supposed to borrow money? That's when I went and figured at the rate we'd been receiving money that we were able to put aside beyond just our natural expenses. It would have taken me a hundred years to come up with $3.2 million. But I prayed about it and I just kept getting more sure and hearing the voice of God. And finally, I made a decision and I went in and told my manager, we'd had... Uh, loan applications out all over the nation. And I said, if they come back to me tomorrow and tell me that they'll loan me the $3.2 million, I'm not taking it. I said, God told me we're going to do this debt free. And did you know that the very next day we had a bank come to us and said, you don't need 3.2. We're going to loan you $4 million. And I said, you're a day late. And in 14 months, we brought in that $3.2 million and we have that facility debt-free, which is an absolute miracle. And that gave me enough faith that now this first building that we're building is $32 million and we're less than $5 million away from having it paid for debt-free. That was a major thing. And you know how it happened? Through the power of the Holy Spirit. I tried my own way. I tried the natural way of just going and getting a loan. But as I prayed in the Holy Spirit, God told me to do it supernaturally, that my partners would supernaturally supply this. And it was one of the greatest things that ever happened. I don't even know what our assets are now, but they're I don't know, 30 million or whatever it is. And it, we owe about uh, 3 million total between everything. And we, we could pay it all off now, but we're putting it into this building. As soon as we get that building built, we'll be completely debt free. And it was just a supernatural word from God. Brothers and sisters, every one of you have the Holy Spirit available wanting to instruct you, but you have to show up for class. You have to listen. You have to make a demand. You have to ask. It says in James chapter 1, If any man lacks wisdom, let him ask of God that giveth to all men liberally and upbraideth not. But let him ask in faith, nothing wavering. For he that wavers is like a wave of the sea, driven with the wind and tossed. Let not that man think that he shall receive anything of the Lord. And a double-minded man is unstable in all of his ways. You can't just throw your prayer out there and, oh God, would you please do something? No, you got to believe. You got to believe that He gave you the Holy Spirit. You have to have a deliberate encounter with the Holy Spirit. And let me just say this before I quit that there's a lot of people that think, well, I got all that when I got saved. In John chapter 14, I'd have to look up the exact verse. It's around verse 15, 16 right there. Jesus said that the Holy Spirit has been with you and He shall be in you. The Holy Spirit was with them. He was moving through them. They had seen miracles happen. But there's a difference in having the Holy Spirit with you and having the Holy Spirit in you. There is a difference. These disciples, Jesus had breathed upon them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. And yet he said, tarry until you be endued with power from on high. 
The Holy Spirit is involved in salvation. A person can't get saved without the work of the Holy Spirit. John 6, says, No man can come unto the Father except the Spirit draws him. So yes, the Holy Spirit has been with you and you have a relationship with the Holy Spirit. You've been sealed by the Holy Spirit, Ephesians 1, 13. But there is a second experience where the power of the Holy Spirit comes upon you and empowers you. I got born again when I was eight years old. And the next day I was made fun of in school by my friends. They could tell something had happened and they said, what happened to you? And I told them I was saved. And I was genuinely saved. My friends noticed the difference and made fun of me for being a Christian. I was saved. If I would have died, I would have gone to heaven. But when I, March the 23rd, 1968, 45 years ago, I had the Holy Spirit come upon me and it transformed my life. When I got born again, I had God come live on the inside of me, but the Holy that was internal. When the Holy Spirit has come, it's to release this power. That's how you release it. That's how you draw out this power. If you're born again, you do have the power of God on the inside of you, but the Holy Spirit is what draws it out. The Lord didn't create things without the Holy Spirit. Jesus didn't minister without the Holy Spirit. He told us not to minister. Don't tell anybody until you be endued with this power. If you haven't received the baptism of the Holy Spirit, which includes speaking in tongues, you need it. You need it. And somebody says, well, are you saying I'm not saved? No, you can be saved and you can go to heaven without the Holy Spirit. You can get there quicker. You'll die of something along the way. You aren't going to have the power of God. You can go to heaven without the Holy Spirit, but why would you want to? You need the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Somebody says, do you have to speak in tongues? No, you get to speak in tongues. It's a privilege. It's an honor. Why would you not want a gift? I've heard people say, well, that's the least of all of the gifts. I don't believe that, but even if you believe it, why would you turn down any gift? How arrogant are you to think that you're so holy that you don't need a gift that God gave? Man, you need everything that God's got. I want everything that God's got for me. And if you already have the baptism of the Holy Spirit and yet you're defeated, discouraged, then start using what you've got. Go to praying in tongues and build up yourself on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Ghost. And the next verse, Jude chapter one, verse 21 says, keep yourselves in the love of God. When you pray in the Holy Ghost, you build up yourself on the most holy faith and you keep yourself in the love of God. Notice it says, keep yourself. I have people come all the time and says, I just don't feel the love of God. Would you please pray for me? And I say, no, I won't pray for you. <laughs> because you are starting from a position of thinking, if I don't feel it, well, then God doesn't do it. God must not love me. God must be displeased. Would you pray for me? You're already starting from a position of unbelief. God loves you and there's nothing you can do about it. If you don't feel the love of God, your feelings are wrong. So what do you do? Go to God and say, oh God, pour out your love. That's an insult to God. Instead, pray in tongues, build up yourself and keep yourself in the love of God. Encourage yourself in the Lord. First Samuel chapter 30, David encouraged himself in the Lord, his God. Right when his friends were going to stone him to death, 
But because he encouraged himself in the Lord within 48 hours, all of his dreams began to come to pass. If he had quit right then, we could have, would have never heard of David. Man, you need to encourage yourself. Receive the power of the Holy Spirit. If you've already got it, start using what you've got. I have compassion for you if you're depressed and defeated and sick and poor and have the baptism of the Holy Spirit. But you know what? I don't really pity you at all. You've got the power of God. You need to use what God gave you. You need to stir yourself up or you're going to sink to the bottom. Amen? Praise God. I know some of you think I'm condemning you. I'm trying to stir you up. I'm trying to get you motivated. Man, we've got the... God has given us everything that we need to be powerful. And we're going around acting like there's no difference between us. We're intimidated by people that don't even know the Lord and we cow to them. We say something about the Lord. And, you know, I was teaching in this congressional staffers thing today and I talked to them about the baptism of the Holy Spirit and praying in tongues and I said, I don't know what you think about this. I know that not everybody believes this. But I said, this is my testimony and I'm sticking with it. And if people don't like it, I'm not mad at you. I love you, but man, I am not embarrassed about the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit transformed my life. I'm telling you that if you don't have the baptism of the Holy Spirit, it's like charging hell with a water pistol. You need some power. You need the power of God. And this is what Jesus said. You receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you. You need to receive and you need to start using what you've got. There shouldn't a day go by that you don't pray in tongues. When you pray in tongues, it just starts the flow of the Holy Spirit. Not if you do it just for, you know, one syllable or one sentence, but you pray in tongues for 10 minutes, 20 minutes, 30 minutes, and it just starts a flow of the supernatural. When you're praying in tongues, it makes no sense to your brain. And this is why it is so important most of us live right here inside of our brain. If we can't figure it out, if we can't see it, if we're going to understand it, we don't do it. And I'm telling you that there is a whole universe that exists beyond your little peanut brain's ability to understand it. Right now, there's angels. There's demons in this place. There's a spiritual world out here. There's also a spiritual world inside of you. And if all you do is walk by your senses, you are going to limit God in your life. Praying in tongues makes you get beyond your brain because it makes absolutely no sense to you. It's foolishness. And for you to speak in tongues over a prolonged period of time makes you get into faith, makes you get into your most holy faith. It makes you focus on the spirit realm. It makes you say that there is something more than just what my intellect can understand and it, and it broadens you. It opens up your heart to the power of God. I tell you, you need to be praying in tongues. You need to be receptive to the Holy Spirit. And brothers and sisters, even if you've got the Holy Spirit, you've got to use it. You got to stick that bucket down in there and draw this out. And this is what speaking in tongues does. We need, we need to a return to the dependency upon the Holy Spirit. We need to get out of ourselves and quit walking by our own understanding. And I, I know that there's a lot of questions I didn't answer tonight, but I hope that I made you hungry.
to just start walking in the power of the Holy Spirit, to start looking for the power of God in your life. And I can promise you that God wants to give you the Holy Spirit more than you want to have Him. And if you already have the Holy Spirit, He wants you to start operating and He wants the power of the Holy Spirit to start dominating and controlling our lives more than we do. So this is not like something you've got to plead with God for. If you would just open up the door a crack and start welcoming the Holy Spirit. He'll come in. He'll start flooding through you. He will start showing you things to come. He will bring things to your remembrance. The Word of God will come alive to you. You can start flowing in the gifts of the Holy Spirit, not only speaking in tongues, but words of wisdom, words of knowledge, prophecy, healings, miracles, all kinds of things. Man, the, there is just a whole universe out there that the average person doesn't operate in. They believe it exists, but they feel like it's for all when we get to heaven, then it'll be real. No, it's for us right now. Through the Holy Spirit, you can operate and you can see God's will come to pass on earth as it is in heaven. You don't have to wait until heaven. You can see the supernatural power of God. You know, I want to give an invitation tonight that if there's anybody here who doesn't have this baptism of the Holy Spirit, you need to receive that. And somebody says, well, how do I know? There's multiple ways, but, but a simple way is do you speak in tongues? If you don't speak in tongues, you either don't have the Holy... I believe it's possible to have the Holy Spirit and not speak in tongues. Right now, I have the Holy Spirit and I'm not speaking in tongues. It's possible to have the Holy Spirit and not speak in tongues but there's no reason to try and do that. It's like you could get a pair of pants with only one leg in it, but what's the point? I got two legs. I might as well get both legs. Somebody said, well, does everybody speak in tongues? Yes, it's like a pair of tennis shoes. When you get a pair of tennis shoes, they all come with tongues. Amen. <laughs> and when you get the baptism of the Holy Spirit, Every one of you will be able to speak in tongues. The Holy Spirit doesn't make you do it. I'm in control. I can speak in tongues if I want to, but I won't do it because of what the scripture instructs me to do. But I could speak in tongues right now. The Holy Spirit doesn't make me speak in tongues. There's people that when they come forward, they just open up their mouth and wait on God to make them talk in tongues. It's not gonna happen that way. It says in Acts chapter two, verse four, it says they all were filled with the Holy Spirit and spake with tongues as the Spirit gave them the utterance. The Spirit inspires it, but the Holy Spirit doesn't speak in tongues. The Holy Spirit doesn't take your mouth and make you talk in tongues. It's just like if I was to say tonight, oh God, speak through me and just take my mouth and speak through me tonight. And then I opened up my mouth and just stuck my tongue out and waited on God to make me talk, we'd still be looking at each other and not a single word would have been said. I spoke, it's me talking. That's the reason it came out in Texan. That's the reason it came out with my personality. But you know what? I believe God inspired me to talk about this tonight. I believe God led me in what I said. Speaking in tongues is the same thing. The Holy Spirit doesn't force you. He doesn't 
make you speak in tongues. He inspires it and you have to talk. You have to make sounds. If you just open up your mouth and wait on God to make it talk, you'll never speak in tongues. You have to speak and by faith believe that God's inspiring it the same way that I believe God inspired me to speak about what I'm speaking and led me in what I'm saying. It's a faith thing. And I'm telling you, if you don't speak in tongues, you either don't have the baptism of the Holy Spirit or you don't have your bucket to draw out the power of God on the inside. If you don't speak in tongues, you need to receive this gift. It's absolutely essential. And I'm telling you, brothers and sisters, it transformed my life. There's many of you that say, well, I like you on television and I've got some things out. That's the reason you came tonight. But man, I don't like, this is not what they teach in my church. That's the reason I'm not in your church. That's the reason I have to rent a building. But you know what? Whether you have been taught this or not, you like the fruit that you see in my life. But I'm telling you, this is the root that produced it. And you're saying, well, I don't want the root, but I want the fruit. That's not how it works. If God's ever touched you through anything I've ever said or done, I'm telling you that it was the baptism of the Holy Spirit that changed my life. That's my testimony and I'm sticking with it. When I received the Holy Spirit, my life radically changed, radically changed. And I'm telling you that if you don't have this baptism of the Holy Spirit and speak in tongues, you must have it. You don't have to have it to go to heaven, but you must have it in order to release and manifest the life and the power that God placed on the inside of you. We hope your heart has been quickened by hearing the Word of God through this message. It's the faithful support of people like you who make this ministry possible. We invite you to prayerfully consider becoming a partner with Andrew Womack Ministries. We maintain a website at awmi.net. Our helpline number is 719-635-1111, or you can write us at P.O. Box 3333, Colorado Springs, Colorado, 80934. Until next time, we pray that you'll reach out by faith and receive everything that's yours through God's grace.